0: Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. All
1: right, welcome back in, second hour, and we are going to dive right into it. Jim McMahon, the legendary Bears quarterback, among other teams, but most identifiable with the Bears joining us here. Nobody
0: ever talks about those other six teams I play for.
1: You got got a ring in Green (laughs) Bay, though, too, so we do need to talk about that at some point.
0: (laughs) A nice one, too. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, I
1: mean, I've been dealing with
0: a bad foot for the last 22 months, and it's uh, it's really <laughs> getting on my nerves. I've had six surgeries and uh, had a simple surgery, one of the simplest I've ever had out of the 24 now. Wow! And uh, it it got bad about four days after and exploded on me and with an infection, and it's been it's been hell ever since.
1: Was this from playing days or is this recent? Yeah, time?
0: I played on a broken ankle for years. It kept telling me it wasn't broken. Just got to the point I couldn't walk anymore, so finally got it fixed, and
1: and then it just exploded. Well, that's no good. I'm I'm sorry to hear about that. Um, how many? So you've had, a, I guess, a lot of different kinds of surgeries over the years. Oh yes. You played a lot of your career injured, right?
0: Very most of my career, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I missed a lot. I missed quite a few games. I played a, played a lot of games I probably shouldn't have played, but yeah, I was I was used to playing, uh, you know, pretty numbed up with either pills or shots, so.
1: How many games into a season could you go before you started not feeling great? I mean was it after uh, the first game?
0: Depended well in 1986 uh, the year after the super Bowl i I uh, dislocated my throwing shoulder the opening day of the season and uh, tried to I tried to play I think I played six games that year, but uh, I had no labrum so anytime I moved my arm it it was very very painful and uh, the only way to get through it was shots and pills so. Mm-hmm. And I finally went to see. uh, Finally got a break, and I think it was week twelve. We finally got a bye week, and I went to see a a doctor. I actually knew what the hell he was doing, and he said, "Well, your shoulder's coming out of the socket." And I'm like, "I've been telling these guys that for the last ten weeks." So uh, I had a major surgery, and uh, you know, it was hell ever since.
1: Yeah, and you're a big CBD advocate, right? I mean, is that have you found CBD, THC?
0: I like it all. Yeah, Uh, you know, it's a it's a great plant. We have a. We have a system in our bodies for this plant. Everybody has an endocannabinoid system in their body, and uh, <laughs> we're supposed to be using this. You know, it's a medicinal herb. It's not a drug. Yeah. It's only a drug when man puts his hands on it and starts putting chemicals in it, you know. You'd never have a cocaine problem if you just ate the leaves. So,
2: The toughness from playing a quarterback, it, it, was that the day and age you just played hurt? These days you may see a guy sitting out with an injury or whatever, but... Is it? Does it come from somebody in your family, your dad, or something? Where did that toughness come from?
0: Uh, well, probably my mom. I mean, my mom is pretty – she's still pretty tough. She's 87 years old, taking a lot of spills, and forgetting a lot of things, but she's still hanging in there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's just the way it was. And plus, most of my contracts back then were incentive-laden. So if you didn't play, you didn't get paid much. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I had to play, and I wanted to play. You know, if I could walk out on the field, I was going to play.
1: You're living in Arizona now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love the heat. I knew uh, I played there in '94 for the Cardinals, and I was there for six months. It rained one day, and I'm like, I'm going to live here when I retire, <laughs> and that's what I did. I, I I didn't move out there. Excuse me, till uh, 2010. I waited till my last uh, kid went to college, and then I had to get out of that cold weather.
1: Yeah, but you keep up with the Bears pretty close still, too. No, you don't. No, I could care less. Okay. Uh,
0: <laughs> I've I've been out twenty seven years now so
1: do you watch any games at all
0: I, I flicked on the tv last night when i got in town just to see what was going on in, in the uh jet i think it was the jets yeah Jets yeah. in kansas city Jets kansas city yeah so I, that's what i like to do to see how my friends are doing how uh, andy reed the coach of kansas city he was my tackle back in college so i've known him since the 70s how about that i like okay. to keep in touch see how he's doing ron rivero is, is still with washington um uh, Leslie Frazier, another teammate of mine, is, I think is still in Buffalo. So I try to check in and see how those guys are doing. But other than that, I, I can't sit and watch a game.
1: How about the old teammates? Especially, like, obviously the 85 Bears team is the most identifiable for most people. You keep up with, with teammates from that team?
0: Yeah, unfortunately, uh, uh, Steve McMichael, one of our, you know, biggest, strongest guys ever playing this league, is, is really suffering with ALS. He's I don't know how much longer he has to live. He's literally about 150 pounds now. Mm. Skin and bone, and it's just—it's mm-hmm. tough to, tough to be the uh, with him, um, to see him like that. I mean, he's still, you know, he's still got his his mind is there, and he can communicate on a on a computer a little bit now. So, but it's just tough to see a guy like that in that condition. What do you do these days? Uh, well, I've been very, very busy with our cannabis company. Uh, I started—I well, didn't start it. Uh, Kyle Turley, an ex ball player as oh. well, he started the company. Uh, called me and asked me to to join him uh, with his mission and uh, I said hell yeah I've been trying to get in the business for many many years and a lot of shady shady characters in this business as as any other business as well but uh, uh, you know Kyle and I were trying to get the NFL to stop testing for the for marijuana Uh, let these guys use something that actually will help them rather than just mask pain and and uh, opioids have have been proven to be addictive and, and kill people so marijuana's never done either one of those so. Uh, Hopefully the NFL will smarten up and let these guys do what they can do to help themselves.
1: You know all too well how hard this game is to play, especially for as long as you played it and how hard it is on your body. There was a recent conversation, and there's probably been conversations, go back to when you were playing and beyond, about playing on grass versus turf. Uh, Did you you have a strong opinion about that one way or the other?
0: Well, grass is much better to play on. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I think they only went to turf because of television. (laughs) Yeah because you, you play some of those games where it's raining or it's snowing and you can't see anything, so I think that's why they did that. But, yeah, playing on that turf is, is it was not fun at all, especially in the wintertime when it's uh, you know 30 below and that turf is as hard as that concrete outside. So uh, hopefully they'll get they'll get rid of all that stuff.
1: Things have changed a lot about the way people operate in preparation for games. Uh, I, I saw you on a podcast recently talking about the days when you were at the bears about you guys went good on good it was pretty it was not you know walk through it was not, yeah, it was uh, not thudding you guys were you guys were practicing and going good on good most of the time right yeah, it was four games
0: a week basically <laughs> yeah there was no buddy buddy periods there was no you know uh, i'll take it easy on this play it no, was none of that uh, buddy ryan and mike dick <laughs> pretty fought it pretty much every day for the four years that they they were together and uh, that trickled down to the players. So, yeah, it was rough. I mean, we were uh, – I think that's why we didn't win, you know, later on in those years. I mean, we won. We, we had the best record in the league, but uh, we were tired by the playoff time. I mean, when you when you beat the hell out of each other every day for a season and then we do it season after season, it takes its toll. How did they coexist if they didn't <laughs> get along well? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um <laughs> They really didn't. It was. It was basically we had two different head coaches. You know. Yeah. <laughs> we had a defensive coach and an offensive coach, and uh, we won in spite of those guys, not because of them. I mean, we we had really good players too. Yeah. You know, and our defensive system at the time was new. People were having struggling to pick it up, and Joe Gibbs finally figured it out. You know, he beat us two years in a row in the playoffs uh, in Chicago. So uh, he knew he knew how to beat us. Block up eight guys and run two man routes and. And uh, you'll have success.
1: You obviously had a good relationship with Buddy, though, having played with him or played for him as a head coach later.
0: Yeah, I got to I played with him when he was in Philadelphia, um, and then again in uh, in Phoenix. You know, but for some reason, but Buddy never liked offensive people, and uh, for some reason, he liked me. I, I think it was because he he coached with a a, a guy that I played for in college, Doug Scoville. Uh, who I learned more of football from than anybody. But I think they coached somewhere in their coaching tree, and Doug called him and said, hey, this kid can play. Because from day one, buddy, I always, you know, uh, treated me well. And he, he just did not. He, he could care less if he played offense. He didn't even know your name.
1: Yeah.
2: When your offense is going against the defense day after day in practice like that, butting heads, how did it affect relationships off the field?
0: Uh, Well, the guys still hung out together. I mean there was fights pretty much every day, every play. Uh, but, you know, there was a lot of respect. You know, Steve McMichael, he made our guys work. He made our guys better offensive line. And, uh, you know, Dick always said, hey, you don't learn anything unless you do it full speed. And so uh, I think that's a lot of these guys' problems now. They, they get a little nick and they can't play, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the preseason. Nobody even plays in the preseason anymore. You saw what have happened to Aaron Rodgers. You know, four, four plays and he's done. Uh, that's what preseason is for—to get the conditioning to play. And then when you get, when you don't play in preseason. You're never going to be ready to play.
2: We, when you think about your two head coaches, or offensive coordinator or offensive coach, your defensive coach going at it like that, you know, it would almost seem like it would create a the us versus them. But in a way, because they were fighting, it seemed like you guys came together as a team.
0: Well, like I said, we won in spite of them. Uh, we knew how good we were. Uh, yeah, I, I used to. I, Talk to Mike Singletary after every game and say how to go. I said, you know all the calls, right? Yeah. Do you ever not call what Buddy sends in? He goes, no. <laughs> I go, do you think I'm calling what Mike sends in? I'm not. I'm trying to win games. I mean, you get a good feel. And, and Mike was a very studious player. I mean, he studied a lot. And uh, I said, you can call the plays yourself. Why don't you do that? And I don't know if he ever did, but I certainly didn't call the plays. Or a lot of plays that were being sent in to me.
2: Do you think the way you played the game and how tough you were, that was one of the reasons Buddy Ryan respected
0: you so much? Uh, it might have been. you know, Buddy. Yeah, Buddy liked people that, that wanted to win, and he knew that's, that's, that was my focus was winning games. I didn't care how we won them. I just wanted to win. And uh, I think he he respected that, and, and
1: uh, like I said, he always treated me good. That team obviously had an edge all the way across. I remember, uh, was it Butler your kicker? Yeah, and he—I remember him talking trash in a couple of games too. I was like, "Who's got kind of a kicker that talks noise?" I mean, only the Bears. Just leave it to them.
0: Yeah, with his one bar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, but obviously there was there was an edge to that team. Did you ever feel like your offense? I mean, obviously Walter Payton. You know, everybody had a great respect for him, and obviously you had a great season. He guys had a lot of good pieces to the puzzle, but it was always defense first when people talked about that team. Did you ever feel like maybe the offense didn't get enough credit for what you guys were doing?
0: oh yeah you never do in, in chicago it's all about who's your middle linebacker mm-hmm. and who's your running back basically yeah. uh but we knew how good we were i mean we knew that and and our defense knew how good we were uh, you know we led the league in rushing f- i think it was four straight years which had never been done i don't think it's been done since and that's that's a credit to those guys up front because mm-hmm. everybody knew we were going to run the ball i mean that we were a running football team yeah and we had some damn good talent you know dennis gentry was you know, the best third down back in the league. Mm-hmm. And uh, he shouldn't even have been a third down back. He should have been playing every every down. He's a very explosive player. Uh, Willie Gall, of course, with the, with the great speed. Dennis McKinnon was a, a hell of a receiver. Uh, we had a couple of tight ends, Emory Mo- uh, Moorhead and, and Tim Reitman, both real good players. So, And then the five guys up front. I mean, those guys fought every week, and,
1: uh, you know, they gave us a chance. How did you uh, transition going from Provo to Chicago. I can't think of two cities that are more opposite. How, how was that transition for you?
0: Oh, that was easier than going from California to Provo. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I grew up with the brothers and the Mexicans and then uh, I moved up there my junior year in high school and it was it was quite a culture shock.
1: Yeah. But uh was it hard to live within the – I think you talked about it. I read this book when I was 10 years old, by the way. I mean, I, this is not something I bought recently. So I remember kind of knowing your story as a kid, and I thought it was interesting. That was that was a culture, a difficult culture. Did you have a hard time operating within the parameters of the expectations of BYU? It was,
0: it was not what college life was supposed to be like, that's for sure. Uh, from from all the stories that I heard from all my other friends and, yeah. and from all the trips that I took before I ended up at BYU, um, I wanted to go to Vegas. That was my – that was my – uh, pick it was my last recruiting trip I had a great time in Vegas and back then they were you know offering money and stuff under the table so I came home and said pops I'm going to Vegas because all I want to do was play baseball that was my that was my thing I, I was I thought I was a much better baseball player than I was football so <coughs> excuse me and the only two schools that said I could play both sports was Vegas or BYU and so uh any logical kid was going to choose Vegas. But my dad said, "Nope, it's not big enough school. You're not going to go there. So
1: that's how I ended up at BYU. You guys did your own thing. You did your own thing individually. I mean, this is an 86 book. I mean, not many guys write a book, and, you know, right after you guys win the Super Bowl, it's pretty quick. And then also, obviously, the, the shuffle. I mean, you guys did things kind of differently.
0: Yeah, we well, we did the shuffle. That was There was still four or five games left in the season. And so uh, – and then they taped that thing uh, the day after we lost our only game that year. So
1: it was pretty <laughs> pretty brash, I guess, yeah. at the
0: time. But, uh, you know, we, we knew we were good. I mean, hell.
1: Was the administration or DICA were they pissed about the shuffle, or were they okay?
0: I really don't know. You know, when they when that came out or got introduced to us, it was Willie Galt and his friend. It was their idea. And uh, they came to us and said, we're going to make a record, right, there was no mention of a video at all. We're going to do a record, and the proceeds will feed the homeless on Thanksgiving and Christmas. We're mm-hmm. like, cool. You know, that's a pretty cool thing to do. So we agreed to do that. And then a couple weeks later, we went and did our parts. And then a couple weeks later, they came and said, now you got to do a video. And we're like, no. <laughs> that, that wasn't part of the deal. And so Walter and I, Peyton, said, no, we're not going to do that. And so they decided to film this thing the day after we lose. We lose to Miami on a Monday night in Mm -hmm. Miami. So we get home about 3 or 4 in the morning. Guys have to be at the studio at 8 or 9, and they're there for, I think, about 8 hours doing whatever they did. And Walter and I didn't go. And so about a week after that, Willie came to us right before practice one day and said, hey, uh, if you don't do that, we're going to have to sue you. (laughs) So... We got uh, we got threats from a teammate about getting sued. So what you see on that screen is two pissed off guys uh, (laughs) doing their parts in the racquetball court at Hallis Hall after practice one day. So
1: wow, I'll never look at that video the same. Yeah,
0: they they green screened us, you know, whatever they did. The magic of television.
1: We gotta let you go, but I gotta ask you one last thing. Uh, How did you pitch to Green Bay teammates that you wanted to wear your Bears jersey to the White House?
0: Uh, I told all the guys, I explained to them, because I was playing with guys. They said, oh, and you guys won, I was in junior high. And so uh, I said, well, we never got to go because two days after we won or a day after the space shuttle blew up, right? Right. So all the folks went there, which was, you know, the right thing to do. But I think they could have squeezed us in at some point, Mm -hmm. you know, because 11 years later we went with Green Bay, and we go before I even went with the Bears. So I explained to them all. Uh, I was just gonna represent my team and, and uh, none of them had a problem with it. That's cool. Uh, well, Fritz Shermer, he was our defensive coordinator. He, he was a little pissed off. I think it brought back bad memories because he was also the he was Green Bay or he was uh, the Rams defensive coordinator when we beat them to go to the Super Bowl ah. was with Chicago. so yeah. he was the only guy that really had a problem. Everybody else knew why I did it and so
1: yeah, makes sense. Uh, I didn't have a problem. That's good. Well, you, you, again, it's just perfect for you. I mean, you do things your own way, so that's good. We like that. Hey, thanks for being with us. I appreciate it. We're looking forward to hearing you in there.
0: All right, guys. Get well, we'll soon. See you inside. All right, thanks, Thank Jim. Thank you.